0: Welcome to Almost Live, a podcast from before podcasting existed, where real life is stranger than fiction. I'm your host, Aphrodite. Welcome to Almost Live, a podcast from before podcasting existed, where real life is stranger than fiction. I'm your host, Aphrodite. Welcome to Episode 10, The Hondo. Thank you for your patience. As this episode was delayed in recording and posting, I made a slight error in calculating how long I would be gone. I went to the San Francisco Bay Area for nine days. I didn't realize the trip home would take nearly as long as it did. Such is life. Other episodes were previously cued. I now know what to do for next time, so this should not happen again. But there are no guarantees in life. I want to start, though, by talking about a fantastic place that somehow feels outside of time, but most definitely is not in terms of space. It's a place that would be the exact opposite of magic, in my opinion. It's called The Interval. It's a bar that's located at Fort Mason in the city of San Francisco proper. A couple things I want to mention. First off, I'm generally speaking a non-drinker. This location does have a significant and well-thought-out non-alcoholic cocktail menu. second thing, of course, is that I don't do ads in this. I genuinely like the place. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it the way that I am. I picked up a card from the front door of The Interval, and it describes it as a techno-utopia bar and cafe in San Francisco for those who like to think while they drink. And I can definitely see why someone from the New York Times would say that. The key about The Interval, though, is that it is a place that is entirely honed by technology because it's the front door of an organization called the Long Now Foundation. The Long Now Foundation has the audacious goal of protecting civilization writ large for the next 10,000 years by projects like the Rosetta disk where a metal disk has thousands of human languages written on it in a way that humans can access. Several hundred are located around the world. In 2018 they landed one on the moon and two years prior in 2016 they landed one on a comet. The second major project that comes to mind with them is the 10,000-year clock. It's a clock, mechanical, that is supposed to have accuracy to one second in 10,000 years. The engineering challenge of that alone boggles my mind, but it's something that's becoming manifest because of technology. And their entire organization is there in case technology at some point becomes lost so that it can be refound without having to go through everything the hard way again. I liked going there on Friday night, this past Friday. Originally, my plan for this weekend was to try and do Bad Ideas Saturday on the road. I put a post up on social media mentioning that I was going to try this project I called The Hundo in Alameda, California, because I met up with a friend that I hadn't seen in eight years for brunch. And I thought maybe the streets of Alameda might be conducive to this. But after I went to the Interval, I changed my mind. Early that day, I said, I'll be at the Interval in San Francisco, 5 p.m. for a couple of hours if somebody wants to participate in the Hundo. The Hundo itself, I'm not going to go into all of the details of. The first reason is that it still is, technically speaking, a work in progress. Part of the hundo is that it is a list of 100 questions that would be semi-randomly selected. I only have 40 completed so far. I'll have the rest of them completed by mid-January. That's going to be later on as to the reason why. But the other aspect of this, in the original design, was that this was intended to be an unmediated, analog, offline experience. Something that wasn't meant to be recorded or shared in any way other than as a story. Again, that has shifted slightly. At the bar, I engaged in the hundo with four people. I've done it six times total before I've done this podcast in real life. One was virtual. Like I said, originally was intended to be non-intermediated by technology. It was supposed to be in person. You can see there's a slight shift there. At the bar... I spoke to a couple, a person that was in a couple because their date chose not to participate, and one of the bar staff. It was an interesting event for a couple of reasons. First off, the questions themselves, I, I can't go into that right now because that would give away some of the fun. I will say that every person that I participated in this interchange with, where They would pick a number, I would ask the question as it's written, they would give me their honest answer, and I would give them an answer that was not predetermined. Though that did get a little hard. I don't think about these questions after I've written them, which is a very challenging thing to do. I'm the one that came up with or has compiled the questions. Probably the latter would be more accurate. But I also try very hard not to associate them in my normal day-to-day. Though in fairness, I have found that these questions have been handy in other contexts. For example, I went to a symposium last Thursday, and one of the speakers was inviting questions during an extended Q&A session, as he was very much interested in sharing what he knew. I asked two related questions of the hundo at the table, and not only was the speaker intrigued by these questions. Apparently, everyone else that heard the questions I asked were fascinated by their nature, too. But let's get back to the bar. One thing that struck me was that there was a weird coincidence that happened, which made, like I said, trying to come up with original answers hard. Out of the four people in the bar that were asked to select a number from 1 to 40... Three of them selected the number 33. This, by itself, is not as absurd a statistical anomaly as one might expect. After all, there's only 40 choices. I'm giving a free choice. It makes sense that there is a chance that this would happen. It would be 2.5% to the third power, basically. However it still is curious that they selected this number. And the reason why in particular is related to how I've documented these questions. I have a little black moleskin style book that I've been using to document a bunch of ideas for future episodes, numbers for the projects I have ahead, and for the hundo, it's the questions that I intend to ask until I can properly transfer them to another format. What gets weird, though, is that I noticed when I wrote question 33 the first time, I had duplicated a previous question. So I struck it out and replaced it with a new one. So unfortunately for me, I had the same question asked three times, and it's very difficult in a span of, say, an hour and a half, to come up with novel answers that don't fit any changes in my real existence. But as I said, my ideas of this particular piece, of, for lack of a better way of describing it, performance art, did shift. Last night, that would be Monday, I went through Portland, and at the recommendation of a dear friend, I went to one of the locations of Powell's Books, something else I highly recommend if you're in Portland. A traveling companion with me even joked that the location that we went to enabled her to manage to have the entire Portland experience of getting a local craft beer, a cup of coffee produced by a hip place that wasn't a major chain, and to buy a book at Powell's within the span of two city blocks in 15 minutes. I didn't have any idea what books I wanted to get. And I like asking people that might have a better idea what their suggestions would be. So I played the hundo, With two of the employees. I asked one if they wanted to do this. I explained the logistics and we participated. She suggested I get a book of poetry. I said that ahead of time, whatever book was recommended, I would purchase it, which I did. The second person, I did the same thing, they chose a different number. We had our conversation for about 30 seconds. They gave me an entirely different suggestion for a book. As I said, I decided to purchase that book. But then I was talking with someone else I knew online, and I mentioned this concept, and I took a bit of a chance, because I like using Signal. If you do not know Signal, Signal has the option of disappearing messages. The idea also was basically that this would be ephemeral. I decided to try the hundo with this person virtually. And at the end of it, they were similarly blown away by the project. So I came into this with a set of expectations. I thought that maybe there'd be someone in the then approximately 500 followers I have on Macedon in the Bay Area that would have met up with me somewhere time on that Saturday night. They didn't. I met random people instead. But it still worked out rather well. And I also thought this was going to be something that was going to be just a piece of performance art for all intents and purposes. But after that experience and seeing how many people genuinely enjoyed that process, I started to think a little differently. Which is why, and this actually will be considered a shameless plug, I am actually going to shift the hundo from being a simple one-person-on-one-person experience to something that will be more widely available. Because I intend... On January 20th of next year, as part of Kickstarter's Make 100 campaign to bring the hundo to Kickstarter. The way that I'm going to do it to increase the randomness is going to be to produce a set of 100 cards. Some of them will even have custom art on them if I can convince artists to help me because I can't draw nearly as well as they. They would, of course, be properly paid for this on a commission basis per item sold. Each set of cards would be $100 for 100 questions. And of course, for the Make 100 project, one needs 100 items minimum. One can see that, like perfect symmetry in the numbers, I couldn't resist it. So hopefully, on January 20, you might choose to see what happens if you decide to play the hundo as well. And apparently, like I said, it has utility besides this interesting little conversational game I had intended to play. Because as I've looked at these questions a little more, and again, like I said, I know that I've probably seen some of them before, I'm maybe just reframing or rewording, or using it in a different context that others hadn't considered. I found utility, like I said, when I was interviewing someone, or basically asking a couple questions. And in understanding some fiction, I've tried using the hundo as a way to understand the motivations of the characters. I'm not good at writing fiction. All the stories that I share, as I may have said previously, are factual as they can be and truthful as they need to be, because I've tried making stories up. I can't do it. But it's interesting to look at other stories through this lens, too. Maybe other writers might find a use for it. Who knows? But I intend to put this out there and make this idea that was going to be small and private into it's just something that's a little bit more public. Thank you very much for listening. If you are interested in the Hundo, I will be mentioning this at the end of each podcast episode until the Hundo is done. I want to thank you in advance if you choose to participate in the Hundo this way. It's really going to be an interesting experiment on everyone's part. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a joyous festive season.